Clear. background noise throughout the day but it's just airplanes so it's not it's, it's not really no good background noise That's yeah right. this That's is right. this is the best seat in the house we got sky riders now we got sky riders, we got sky riders they, now they, does that say you can't i can't it's got a runway in the front yard <laughs> and you're in sight clear west turkey special ground good afternoon sir taxi via foxtrot and delta Did you hear about this guy up in Canada, this uh, pilot up in Canada? He had a really, really bad day. So he's flying along in his rented 172, and then he has some sort of problem in the cockpit. I don't think it's like, you know, you know, off-field landing kind of problem, but he was trying to deal with something. While he was trying to deal with the problem in the airplane, he accidentally set the transponder to the hijack code. And then while he had a problem in the cockpit and the transponder on the hijack code, he accidentally flew into restricted airspace. I mean, it's like you talk about three strikes. I don't know. David, you think this guy would be like in jail if it was the United and when, States. And when, he, and when he got home, he found his wife in bed with another man. <laughs> yeah, I know. How much worse can it possibly get? You know, it's That's like, right. Whoa. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, whatever the catalytic uh, crisis was, the thing that started him having a mess with it. And I, I believe he was trying to set the emergency, you know, uh, uh, the uh, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday transponder code. and the hijack code's not that far away, and uh, only got four digits to play with to begin with. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, it, there's not much more that could have gone wrong, except maybe whatever the precipitating emergency was actually deteriorate into causing him something catastrophic. Uh, he, he walked away. Yeah, a well, free man. I mean, did he realize that he was in restricted airspace, or did they, he get told? I'm trying to read it in this story here. Yeah. Uh, Because you got to give him credit for flying the airplane. I mean, you know, things were ganging up on him here, and uh, he hung in there, I guess. uh, If I'm I'm remembering this correctly, some of this started when, no, I don't want to go there. That may be an ASRS report I just read. uh Uh-huh. I I read a couple of those yesterday, and then this has a ring of familiarity to one of them, except it's newer. Right. Now, now when I was when I was being trained way, 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 way back when, uh, you know, one of the things that he, he, the CFI tried to teach me was, you know, when you're changing settings on the transponder, don't accidentally pass through the hijack or the uh, or the mayday code. Um, do you think about that when you're changing uh, uh, codes or do you just kind of like you do? Yeah. 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 Because it'll 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 trigger it. I think about I think about it every time I scroll through seventy five hundred. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh oh, there it goes again. Oh my goodness. Uh oh, I did. I done it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oops. Darn. Oops. I did it again. Right. Yeah. It's a... Well, in the relative rarity of having uh, the first digit be a seven, makes it relatively easy. You just don't turn in the direction of the seven. Everything else will work out fine, as long as that one never stops on seven. Oh, I see. So just make sure that the first digit never passes through seven. And uh, yeah, all you got to do is make sure the first one doesn't pass through seven. Everything else is irrelevant. Well, will another, they ever another, give you? Go ahead, Jeb. Another way to do it is do it from right to left. Yeah. 
how oh okay i see that could work yeah will they ever give you a code that starts in seven i've seen codes that start in seven yeah so sometimes you got to go through seven on that first digit but but yeah. if you go but you're right if you go right to left that let me think about this for a second i think you can, you can turn you can go backward through the numbers on most transponders yeah, well, I mean, you can go backwards. I'm just trying. I'm just saying, does that do the trick? And I guess like it does. Like if you were on six and got given one, you don't have to go through seven to get from six to one. You can go back through five. Oh yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, right. anyways, but yeah, my 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 view is that uh, uh, Canadians, as a nationality, are among the most even-tempered people I've ever met anywhere. Uh, I've had crosswords with Canadians, but you know they've been rare, and they were they were justified on both sides. Uh, so yeah, this happening, going through this kind of a major foobar, and then pleading, oh shucks, uh, is this the one where the, tra- the the GPS never got off the satellite page for the? No, that that was an AS- ASRS report. I read that earlier this week too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy just that guy got lost and had to get help. Yeah, by definition, it was not um, an ASRS report because it's Canadian. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do they have their own kind of uh, callback publication up there? They have their own ASRS program up there. I don't know. They can certainly they can certainly read ours. Well, yeah, and 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 I'd read theirs if if it existed. I'm just kind of curious if it does. I mean, that's something to check out. Yeah, it's probably in French. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, not necessarily. It's probably in both. Is probably the tr- the fact. Well, um, once, once in a while, I'll I'll do one of these wild card searches for information around a you know a a, a fairly broadly configured phrase, and uh, you know, safety being a, a fairly regular one. And it's amazing some of the little sites that pop up. Airline pilot sites, corporate pilot sites, people being recruited sites, sites for college student uh, pilots and in, in, in classes. And, uh, you know, then there's the type club sites, uh, the ABS and the International Comanche Society and on and on. Uh, there's a lot of, and then Tom Turner's uh, newsletter, there's a lot of safety stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, you, you, yeah, you can really keep yourself immersed in it without spending a lot of time on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and TT stuff is is uh, getting better and better all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, the Canadians are uh, pretty easy going. There were those uh, there were those two what flight students that uh, wandered into Buffalo or something like that. Remember that story a couple months ago? And uh, yeah, so, so they were pretty easy. Go- I guess we're pretty easy going too because we let them go home. Um, and uh, yeah, that one that well, they, one ended on our side of the border, right? Yeah, they weren't. They weren't from Smoketown, PA, so it was okay. It was okay. That airplane flew this week. I, I've got that airplane in uh, in FlightAware. I get emails. <laughs> I got an email the other day. I'm sure it flies all the time, but it flew with a flight plan recently uh, this past I, week. I, I want to know if they've painted little silhouettes of the U.S. Capitol on the side. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> so uh, well, don't you think that one? Don't you think that little Cessna would be the ideal chest bed? To ST on which to STC uh, a, a missile warning system, right? For your GA airplane, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 you know go through and, and, and disable the seventy five hundred squawk on that transponder. <laughs> <Yeah. too. laughs> 
<laughs> this is the, for anybody who isn't paying attention, this is the 152 that not once but twice busted the Washington, D.C. Uh, restricted area. And, with different uh, crews. With, each time. Yeah. Different crews, that's the key. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and, and they think Skynet really hasn't gone in the full. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. So, but, so uh, who do we want to use to chest... That's right. The security apparatchik at at, at uh, the the Washington aid is. Let's see. Well, we know where we can get an airplane. <laughs> what students up this week? Oh, hey, if they come back okay, we'll you know we'll give them the time for free. That's right. Yeah, I'm looking for the uh, the notification here about the uh, this airplane flying this past week. Where'd it go? Here, it's in my uh, someplace. Must be here. Come Where's on. Where's the number? I don't remember. That's why I've got to look up here. Uh, oh, wait, here it is. Here it is. It's November 5826 Golf. At least I assume this is that airplane. Uh, this is the only one that uh, that I follow that hasn't blocked me. Uh, 5826 Golf? Yeah. Actually, that's not true. I also, one long time ago, I plugged a, a, uh, an Eclipse jet in here. I wonder if... No, it's 152. Yeah. So let's see now. It... Uh, it uh, let's see if I can find all, all. There's about five emails here. It departed uh, uh, Lima Romeo Papa for uh, this F, FDK. That must be Frederick Maryland, right? Frederick Maryland. Oh, yes. yeah. oh, good. Now they're going to go through P40. Yeah, I know they're going to uh-huh. go right over Camp David. Um, so they went five, from five eight two six golf. Five eight two six golf, correct. And uh, then they arrived at Frederick. Um, <laughs> And then they departed Frederick for Sierra 37. I don't know what that one is. Let's see if it says in the email. Smoketown. Oh, that's Smoketown. Okay. So came out of Lancaster, went to Frederick. Yeah. Frederick to (laughs) And uh, is it possible for an airplane, the airplane itself, to be snake bit? That one. Is there like a bad airplane spirit, some kind of bad karma floating around there that hides under the headliner? Yeah. So, what day was this? This was back on the 26th. So this was a few days ago. But, uh, yeah. So, apparently, I didn't see any news reports. So, apparently, he did okay this time. But, uh, you know, there's always the future. Anyways. Yeah, well, those are always next week, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well you, was, you know, think about it. That 152 could become to the uh, the defense, the air, defense airspace people. Uh, what a, a, a dummy handgun is for the TSA. It's, it's another way to get up close and grope somebody. Well, I think, you know, <laughs> if, they ever, if they ever wear out that airframe, you know, we should put it in a museum somewhere. Yeah, and you might even consider, since there's this mandatory re-registration thing uh, starting now, that when the time comes, maybe before the time comes, ask for a new one. You get a new number, right? I want a new number. You know, number. something that ends in Bravio, India. Uh, I don't get it. Bravo, India, B-I. Uh, you're going to have to explain that one to me later on. Well, okay. you can't, by, by rule, you can't get one that ends that has India in the, uh, uh, the call center. Oh, that's right. You can't. Why not? Because it could be confused with one. Oh, Okay. So it should end in Bravo one. Can you have them end in a letter then a number? I don't. I've never no. seen that. I don't I, think. I don't think we can do that be, either. It has to be two letters, or one letter, or one letter. Or, or but it ends in letters. Is the it point? It can't be a letter and a number. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is which is a whole nother kind of interesting topic we should you know <laughs> it up is on. it really the whole in number thing is is it gets very interesting if you dive into it really hold that thought Welcome, folks, to episode 226 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this episode on Tuesday evening, March 2nd, 2011. And uh, joining me here in the virtual hangar, my two good friends. First of all, Jeb Burnside is out there. He's talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. How you doing, Jeb? Oh, so far so good. I haven't switched my transponder through 7500 or 7600 <laughs> or 7700 lately. So. That's always a good sign. It's yeah, always a good I try sign. I keep it on 1200 these days. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How's the alligator doing? Haven't seen him much lately. Although there was a had a curious episode a few days ago. Uh, there were a pair of eyes looking at me. Well, no, no, that's right. We've named the pond, haven't we? I forgot well, about we this. Haven't, we haven't named the pond. We named the we named the alligator. Well, have we named the have we named the pond? Yes, because remember, I was sitting on we were sitting on your back deck next to your pool, and we thought we saw the alligator, um, the two little eyes going through through the water, and it turned out to be what? Uh, it turned out to to be, be a pair of turtles. Oh yes, yes. Okay. Fornicating. Fornicating. Fornicating turtles. Fornicating yes. turtles. That's actually a little like, racier like, like, than like fornication. And maybe that's the no. You were going to um, call it. You were going to call it humping turtle pond. Humping turtle pond. You're right. I, I like forgot. that. I like that. Yeah. You are right. You you are absolutely right. You have a better memory than I do. Yeah. Well, humping hum- turtle pond. Yes. Yeah, now is that? It, I want to. If if I have to write this in something, I want to be able to punctuate this correctly. Is this H U M P I N apostrophe? Or is it formal uh, with the G? I'm not That's sure. A good question. Yeah, I'm not we'll sure. We'll have to take in. We'll have to ask you know listeners for input on that. Yeah, we need we need some more advice on this. But so there were turtles, <laughs> there were turtles that were doing the nasty there, and then there was apparently another turtle, big one. You said right? Yeah. yeah and there's a there's a third turtle watching the whole festivities. Yeah. I don't know. He, he probably had a camera. I was thinking, you know, yeah, it's that or, or um, there's just some really kinky turtles in my pond. I'm going to put like it that. out on sna- the turtle porn on snail net. <laughs> <laughs> and also here in the virtual hangar is Dave Higdon, who's talking to us from... It is, uh, it is an uncontrolled hangar, isn't it? <laughs> Wichita, Kansas. How you doing, David? What's going on in Kansas? Do you have any humping turtles out there? Well, we've seen a few in a little pond in the park next door. Uh-huh. Uh, and have seen something new in the pond uh, uh, that haven't seen over there in, in about 15 years. Goldfish. Really? Living in this pond, yeah. That's Humping goldfish? By, well, they weren't. When I saw them, they were hiding under a submerged tree limb from uh, a cooper's hawk that's nesting nearby. Oh, sure. uh, yeah. It could come down and pluck one of their shiny gold fins right out of there. Mm-hmm. Did, so. Yeah. And the turtles were over on a on a on a little log, and they were watching the whole thing. Going, I'm not humping here. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's not safe. It's not safe. No humping way. Must keep my wits about me. And I'm Jack Hodgson, and uh, and I am tonight somewhere near Orlando, Florida, high atop the Swan Hotel in Walt Disney World, the happiest place on earth. M I C. That's right. Yeah, I've been here for like a week now, I guess, and uh, yeah, I liked it. There's a couple of people on our crew who don't like Disney, but they just—I guess maybe because they do a lot of events and they come here too often. So far, I can't come here too often. I like this place, and uh, it's just fun. And uh, I mean, we've developed. Go ahead, Jeb. 
No, I, I was going to say, I knew there was something wrong with you, Jack. And no. More, more about what it is. It's the happiest place on earth. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's the place, it's like the magical, it's magical. It's. No, I, I know where the happiest place on earth is, and the public is not invited. <laughs> okay. Happiest, happiest place on earth, and it has nothing to do with her. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much. Yeah. I should point out to our listeners that we are once again on uh, hotel Wi-Fi here, and uh, um, the uh, things are going to break up from time to time, so we're just going to kind of have to... And if someone sounded like Zoid Borland, yeah, exactly. Just That's, be yeah, and it didn't I sound just, that bad. Noticed, yeah, Jeff. I just noticed something here too. Looking at this uh, flight aware record for five eight two six golf, <laughs> uh, on one flight it's listed as a one fifty two, and on another flight it's listed as a one fifty. So. Oh my God! Know. It's got two personalities. Well, that alone ought to scramble the F 18s right there. I would think. I would think. Um, now, now, nothing in there that says John and Martha have been flying it, is there? No, <laughs> no. Be... And, and they're, they're primarily on the on the West Coast. I don't think they'd be... Um, they they were here in Wichita say, a couple of weeks ago. In, uh, I was going to say, I don't think they'd be caught dead in a 150, but I, won't, I don't think I should no, say No, I think <laughs> they'll fly whatever they're playing. I mean, and but the they, beauty yeah, of it is they, that, that whatever... They've got a lot of time in sky catchers, so... Yeah, and uh, and whatever you know, they'll fly whatever airplanes in front of them because they love airplanes. And the beauty of it is that they can get to any airplane they want because they got that whatever business jet that yeah, they. But, but you, you missed the whole thing. I, was, I said caught. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Well, clearly they're on a list, so they're going to get caught. You know, over well, and over again. I don't know. Well, they have a list. We have a list. That's right. That's right. They make it. They they they've turned that into a very humorous, uh, actually entertaining uh, anecdote. Really? I mean, well, they have obviously. They've got a great sense of humor about the whole thing, much more than I would have. Uh, have they actually made a video of, about it yet? Is there sort of? Is I, I there don't now? know. But they were they were here in Wichita uh, at a little do for the Wichita Aero Club uh-huh. uh, three Fridays ago, and uh, uh, Annie and I decided to visit because it's at this uh, children's museum and science center called Exploration Place. It's every bit of, oh, I don't know, the drive must have taken four, maybe five minutes. And uh, they were part of the evening draw for the people that attended this. And uh, they spent a few minutes during their, their time talking to the crowd, it, talking about the, the police stop and how it went down and what they went through. And they kind of passed the microphone back and forth on this whole thing. And you would come away with a sense that this was really serious, no BS stuff. But they'd, you know, let it roll over them, taking something good out of it, moved on, and made it actually kind of funny. Uh-huh. Yeah. I guess I'm not surprised. For all that's, that, that's real talent, man. I mean, that's more yeah. than just good business sense. That's creative talent, in my opinion. Yeah. So... Anyways, let's see now. What's going on in the world of aviation this week? Um, the big news, I guess, uh, depending on your perspective, is that uh, oh! it looks like uh, Cirrus Aviation is in the process of getting bought by a Chinese company. Um, is this and and this has got a ways to go, I probably before it actually is final and official and you know done. But uh, but is this a big deal? 
Is this notable or is this just, you know, yet another example of this is the way the world is turning? Oh, this is a big deal, dude. Yeah? yeah that's a big deal. That's Why? A big deal. Jeb, you want to go first? You want me to go well, first? I think it's it's a big deal for two reasons. One, um, heretofore, um, U.S. The, the U.S. has really been the leader in uh, in general aviation aircraft production. Uh, and in fact, Cirrus Design is um, a North American, a U.S. Uh, creation. Um, you know, twenty years ago, very few people outside of the uh, Duluth area. And, uh, a couple of home builders have really ever even heard of them. Uh, now they kind of sort of have the sort of now they are building the uh, standard single engine piston aircraft. Um, I think the second thing going on here is um, this is not the first iconic general aviation <laughs> manufacturer to be um, uh, bought or, or uh, in the process of being bought um, in by a Chinese company. Uh, the first one, which was announced a few months back, was Teledyne Continental Motors. Not coincidentally, all services are powered by Teledyne Continental Engines. Um, it, I, I'm sitting here looking, and, and I, I don't see in the press release. It might be here. Um, I'm going to go click on a few other things here while we're still talking about this. But isn't this the same company that bought TCM? I don't know that. Is it, David? You follow these things pretty I close. Would have to, I would have to check on I'm going to go look. I'll let you guys look it up. But, yeah, uh, it could well be. David, why do you think it's a big deal? <clears throat> well, a couple of reasons. Uh, it, 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 the, not the least of which is what Jeb was just talking about. This is represents another uh, step in the dissolution of, uh, of an iconic American industry, something that we can kind of claim we, we invented by dint of the Wright brothers and 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 Glenn Curtis and uh, Don Douglas and uh, and and Bill Boeing and on and on, uh, Alan Art Mooney and you know the, the I could take way much too much time on the names. Uh, that being sold off to uh, another country, uh, the fact that it's China. Uh, I see some synergy happening here. Uh, Asian interests have bought into other companies here in the last few years. Right. Uh, haven't always been successful at it. Uh, this time they're buying, and they were buying developmental companies, you know, right. like Sino Swear Engine, uh, a good example. This time they bought a company that's already a success story. Uh, there's some technology transfer that's going to happen here, uh, like it or not. And... I, I don't think that it's not uh, that it's within the realm of truth when Brent Waters says that uh, you know Cirrus is going to keep making airplanes in the United States, keep employing people in the United States uh, because China can duplicate what they do in Duluth in China and just supply their own market and not take anything away from Duluth if they leave Duluth, North and South America and Europe. Mm-hmm. Because what they've got in mind for growing aviation in China would take your breath away. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. With that. It, uh, let, let, me, let me interject real quickly. Yeah. The, the, company, the company buying uh, Cirrus, uh, which is China Aviation Industry General, aviation, General Aircraft Company Limited, C-A-I-G-A, Kaiga, is not the same company okay. as, yeah. as bought uh, TCM. Uh, well, 
Cessna is manufacturing the sky catcher there. Okay, they're building the airplane, all the components. They're packing it up, and they're sending it over here where it's reassembled, test-long, painted, and pushed out the door. Uh, Boeing, McDonnell Douglas, when it was still an independent entity, uh, Airbus, I believe, have all had some level of component manufacturing done in China or Singapore or Hong Kong, uh, somewhere there in, in Asia. Uh, Jap- Japan has been coming on, uh, coming back strong from a time when it had a pretty good indigenous industry. Yeah. Uh, it, we, we're not holding on to it, though. That's the problem. And part of the problem is that in this country, we're a shrinking uh, we're a shrinking group, and it's a growing group in all the Asian countries. Mm-hmm. Isn't Piper owned offshore now? Ta-da! Yeah. Yeah, but but what, some European organization, I believe. I'm not no, sure. No, I believe it's Asian. Is it Asian? Oh, really? It's Asian. Uh huh. So they 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 have a very long term view about this stuff because they recognize the value of the infrastructure and the saturation we have here in North America. The United States is, you know, has more airplanes, more pilots, more airports than any nation. Irrespective of size, mm-hmm. uh, China's got huge landmass, and until the last few years, had airspace that was only open to military. They've started to open up the airspace. They've got a really ambitious uh, program to build new airports in remote areas where there's already industry or power or the potential. Uh, they are working on developing their own indigenous pipeline for pilots. They're training the, the, the future instructors and instructor pilots and check pilots here and going to try to grow like crazy over there. So it just stands to reason that they're going to have a demand for airplanes that they think that they can meet more effectively, more efficiently uh, by building them there and building up their own aerospace manufacturing industry and not necessarily take a huge amount away from what we've got here. It's up to us to build more of what we've got here so that some of these companies will have a good reason to keep living here and selling here. All right. Um, regardless of whether this is a good idea or a bad idea, um, why do you think Cirrus agreed, you know, the, the non-Chinese owners of Cirrus agreed to do this? What's going on behind the scenes here? Why did they sell themselves? Can, just, can you cue the cash register sound right now? Yeah, really. Just go ka-ching. Well, someone's making some money off this, or they needed money? I would say probably a little of both. Yeah, uh-huh. I would say both, yeah. yeah. I mean, Somebody was um, probably making money off brokering this deal and putting it together. Uh, and Because the, there's going to be a lot of work to get this done and passed all the approvals that have to happen before it, it, it can happen. Right, right. Well, and there's also there's also speculation. I don't I don't know if it's uh, in here in the in this press release or not um, with respect to the Cirrus jet. I was going to uh, ask about that. I th- I saw something that indicated that the Chinese might be a little bit more uh, excited about pushing the jet uh, for it or willing to put money in I, it or I, something I like that. They, I think they probably would be, and I think uh, uh, getting. Um, an influx of capital, for lack of a better word, uh, lack of a better phrase, to help Cirrus finish the jet is probably a great part of this. They've not been at their strongest financially for the last 
two or three years since yeah. before Alan left. We've yeah. heard rumors of that off and on for, yeah, a couple of years. Oh, well, there was one crazy one going on around at Oshkosh, what, 09? Yeah. About stuff that was just going to happen in the past sources, and it was the most outrageous freaking claim. Mm. And we refused to run the story, really irritated the hell out of somebody. I'm not going to mention who. Actually irritated the hell out of a couple of people. Uh, and, you know, you kind of do that because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't add up. Uh, there, there's, there's some questions about the, the, uh, the, the interest of some of the sources behind it. So sure. you all add, add that all up and you say, you know... My world's not going to end here if I run that, if I don't run that. But if I run that and that's wrong, uh, that could be a career ender, baby. No, yeah. we're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, and two weeks later, you know, it's a deadline for what was all this precipitous stuff that was supposed to happen. Nothing happened. Nothing right. happened. Right. Well, anyways, so like David said, it's got it's got some hurdles to clear and some approvals to, to uh, you know, achieve and whatnot. But... Uh, um, it, it, consider the vertical integration that's going on here. If you yeah. will. So they've got an engine manufacturer that happens to be the manufacturer that supplies this particular airframe. They have the airframe manufacturer. Uh, they really only need to add two more jewels to the crown here. Uh -huh. They'd be completely vertically integrated. And that's an avionics manufacturer and a propeller manufacturer. Mm -hmm. Uh, everything else can be put together piecemeal. But if they could put those two things together, they could be completely vertically integrated, own it, even if they weren't producing it all of, over there. A lot of the components are produced there anyway. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, smart, patient people, and you can sit back and say, well, you know, people are, there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of money there because the government's encouraging them to do this and making it possible with a lot of help. This isn't all standalone conventional investment capitalism. Yeah, this is a national plan, and they're smart for doing it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to follow, see how it goes. Anyways, oh yes, oh yes. So, like I mentioned, I'm visiting Disney World here down in Florida, near Orlando, and uh, one of the things that we've kind of touched on over the years in in our snarky way um, is the uh, somewhat infamous Disney TFR. Uh, the restricted airspace that's uh, surrounding the park here, and uh, and Jeb and I exchanged a few emails and text messages over the last 24 hours about this because I was I was wandering the park and didn't have access to all the stuff and I figured I could use Jeb as a researcher and so and yeah, he went right for it. it I have great. no life. Yeah, it was great. Um, so we were talking about the, uh, the the Disney TFR and and exactly what the nature of it is. The thing that triggered this for me is that I was wandering around Epcot last night. And at, on at least two occasions, I saw very clearly, I saw a small plane, a la a warrior or Cherokee of some sort, flying right overhead Epcot at what couldn't have been more than a thousand feet. And I was just trying to figure out, and, and so I, that's when I first texted Jeb, and I said, you know, what is the TFR? And Jeb looked it up, and we discovered that it's that it's 3,000 feet, as Jeb put it oddly enough, AGL, which means it's, I don't know what it is, it's... I'm not sure what the the field elevation, if you will, three thousand twenty-seven feet six inches. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Well, um, but it 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 it's 
it's low double digits if it's that much. Yeah. So it's, a, it's something like a three-mile radius circle uh, centered over a point that's somewhere here in Disney World that uh, goes up to 3,000-something feet. Um, so, so this little airplane was clearly within the TFR area. Uh, so then we were trying to figure out, we were trying to parse out the, the 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 exemptions and the funny you know exceptions and whatnot to the TFRs, and uh, to see whether or not this guy, how this guy could be legal, assuming they were. Maybe for all we know, these well, remember, people. Remember, it's not a no-fly zone. Right? Well, okay. It's not a no-fly zone. It's not a prohibited area. It's a restricted area. I right. Think. But it's pretty tied down restricted. It's not a restricted area. It's just a temporary flight restriction. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A permanent TFR. A permanent TFR. It's a TFR that's been in place since like O two or O three, and it's by act of Congress, if memory serves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was not by act of FAA on its own. It was the here and in uh, California. Here I'm looking at the Disney World Florida one, and in California, Disney's park there, and in some floaters that are also part of the act of Congress that involve. Uh, National Football League events. Right. Uh, and this was now, what, predominantly what in these... the name of advertising. Control. Thank you. What, what do all of these uh, events and locations have in common? Uh, well, in, in, the, in the recent past, uh, banner towing operations. Yeah. Uh, not anymore, but. Yeah. There you, go. you think that's the issue here? You think oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Precisely. Absolutely. You think this is simply an a, 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 an attempt, or a, you know, successfully? But this is to to put down the banner tow industry. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Was it no, wasn't so much to ruin the industry as it is to restrict advertising to um, those advertisers that the uh, uh, powers that be approve. That's right, because the Goodyear blimp or the Snoopy blimp or other stuff can fly over NFL football games. Within the TFRs that exist an hour before or to an hour after the football game. Right, right. But uh, stand by a couple of seconds, guys. I'll be right back. I forget what we were talking about. Um, remember. We were talking about Mickey Mouse's TFR. Yeah. So you guys think it's uh, you? You think it's the banner toe thing? Well, I suppose. I mean, that's that's. It's broader. It's commercial control. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They don't want anything there that they haven't agreed to and either uh, are getting money for being there or promoting something that they want to by being there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying to imagine the legal situation under which these two warriors were able to overfly Epcot last night. Um, Could have been a photographic mission, uh, doing a hit count. uh, Yeah. Well, that's true because one of the – Go ahead, Jim. No, no, no. Go ahead, Jim. I was just saying one of the explicit uh, exceptions is uh, is a, a Disney operational. Let's see, flights flights conducted for operational purposes of any Disney event and venue, which are are authorized by an approved waiver, is one of the exceptions. So, wow! Uh, what a shock. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And the, and the other, by the way, the other aircraft I see, we see overhead all the time here is helicopters, which I assume are sightseeing helicopters. And uh, they certainly are over the grounds. They're certainly within that uh, that circle. So it's, uh, you know, I mean, it would be. Re- it- I know there's a helicopter tour operator over on International Drive. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I know the one you mean. The, the, the shuttle I took from the airport uh, took us past it. The helicopter is right there on the side of the road. There's like a little landing pad right there, and uh, yeah. Ne- yeah, next to a little mini mall. Yeah, went right by it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, on one level, I'm not offended by this TFR because it could be chaotic overhead this place if you know if there were no restrictions. Well, I mean, take a look where it is. Yeah. Take a look where it is. When you when you say it could be chaotic, take a look where it is. Am I, am I wrong? Is that not in a in, under part of a Bravo? I'm not sure. Let's look here. Uh, I don't think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Oh yeah. So it's under the Bravo. Let's see. Oh yeah, right. But it, but it's six thousand feet. Is the or is it five thousand feet? I can't quite read it on this this little fragment of the chart. I think it's, it's six thousand. The bottom at that particular area there. Well, yeah. if you look further down, uh, you see. Um, I think I'm reading this correctly. You see airspace. The um, the lower limit of the Bravo there is four thousand. Yep, you're and right. There's a, there's a slice that encompasses the TFR airspace. They uh, went out of their way to make this as super confusing as freaking possible. Yeah. Well, I I feel a little bit differently, Jack, in that. Um, there is no, this is a security TFR if you look at the, uh, the wording of it, okay? Right. But this is, this has nothing to do with security. Mm-hmm. This, this is pure commercial. It's something that was lobbied by Disney's lobbyists on the Hill back in the day. This was 02, I believe. Um, and, um, uh, some, some, uh, Congress people, uh, um, opened their mouths and, and, and took this and, um, um, the safety it's, thing it's, is a rationalization that safety, is safety security is a rationalization it's an excuse it's a pure commercial transaction um, between Disney and um, certain members of Congress mm-hmm. it's the kind of rationalization that they make about as frequently as they have to have morning constitutionals <laughs> <laughs> okay. otherwise to keep themselves at an equilibrium beyond which they might explode yeah all right. What else? Let's see here. Oh, I came across this cool picture. Let's see if I can pull it up on my screen here. I was just—I forget what I was doing. I was surfing the net, and um, and I New came, York Post. Yeah, in the New York Post, I was looking at the uh, the uh, the the pictures of the day in the New York Post, and uh, this one came in front of me. This is a this is uh, Chinese guy. Speaking of China, all right, here's a Chinese home builder, all right, who's built himself uh, a little tube and fabric. Uh, uh, Tricycle gear, uh, you know what we would call an ultralight, um, and uh, sort of looks a little, a little, uh, um, oh darn, what's the name? Uh, Quicksilverish, almost. And uh, yeah. but and, and at least a little bit Glenn Curtis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Looks looks a little Glenn Curtisish, um, uh, PBYish, uh, Clark Y airfoilish. Um, <laughs> Well, one of the one of the uh, the many I don't features see a vertical stabilizer here, and uh, and it's multi engine. It's not it's simply multi engine. It's a tri motor. All right, is it, is it three? It's three. All right, three. Yeah. Hover your mouse the over the picture, and eventually a little descriptive paragraph will pop up here. Um, d- forgive me, I'm going to mispronounce the gentleman's name. Ding Shilu, an automobile mechanic, carries out a test flight for his. Uh oh, come on, come back. Uh, for test flight for a self-made aircraft at a frozen reservoir in Shenyang, Lian, oh, I'm sorry, I apologize, Lianning 
province in China. The aircraft, which weighs about 287 pounds, is made of recycled materials, including three motorbike engines and plastic cloth, and cost about $395. So, uh, you know. Man, shades of the... Uh Shades of the what was I'm trying to remember the name of the ultralight that preceded the drifter. Uh, the 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 central structural tube was actually corrugated drainage pipe. Uh, <laughs> really? And, and let me tell you, puppy, that was a, that was one stiff tube. Yeah. And then everything mounted to it. Heavy too, I would imagine, though. It was a little on the heavy side. It uh-huh. was, but it made up with that with wing area. And the nice thing about it was that the, 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 speed, the speed range was very easy to get down to memory. It rotated at 30. It lifted off at 35. It topped out at 40, and it approached at 35 and landed at 30. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's more information about this guy on the internets. Let's see if we search, do Google his name, what we get here. Yeah, I did a little oh, yeah, Google search. More pictures. Yeah, I did a little Google search. Uh, it turns out that uh, AvWeb, of course, as you might imagine, is on the story here. And uh, I sent you guys a link. I don't know if you got it yet. but uh, Yeah, I got it. And AvWeb has got a handful of pictures here, uh, including the one that I showed you in the first place. It does have a vertical uh, uh Part to its empanage. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Uh, all right, and uh, better, those better, are the biggest fracking ailerons I have ever seen. Yeah, they you are. Kind of hope he doesn't lose. He doesn't lose a uh, outboard engine on that. <laughs> you think he's going to have a little problem, huh? I think he's going to have a little directional control problem if he does. Right, that's right. Doesn't have very much tail. That's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and control pressures on the ailerons are going to be high, and control yeah. pressures on the on on the elevator are going to be lower. Yeah. Confucius said, "You need more tail." <laughs> Who doesn't? He's dead. <laughs> Family podcast. Family well, podcast. Right. Anyways, you know, more power to the guy. All right. Dink Shilu, do it to it, man. We're looking forward to it at the end of the air. Got, he's already got three engines to feed. But, you know, Jack, you're right. I mean, uh, congratulations. It's obviously. He's got more hair than I got. Yeah, I know. He's a you know, pretty clever guy to have built this thing in the first place, and now he's flying it, which says something as well. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we'll have to. I don't know what there is to follow up on that, but I'd be curious to hear more about uh, how it all went. Yeah, I want. You know, how many how many flights he makes before you know something happens or he rebuilds it or something else. Yeah. Uh, Bad news for the Senate. I'm blanking on the senator, the our friend, the pilot senator who got in trouble, landed and got retrained. Senator and Inhofe. Senator Inhofe. Bad news for Senator Inhofe because part of his, oh. part of his, uh, his uh, little slap on the wrist there was that this this uh, this information would go on his record for a couple of years and then it would be wiped out of his record. But apparently, and I'm making a joke here. I don't know if this really applies, but uh, it is true that the David. What is true here they're they're going to stop wiping these things <laughs> off of the records now it's like you know asking david what is true uh, well david's the one I, I think david's the one who showed us who pointed us to this story in the first place yeah david did um 
So uh, let's see now. FAA halts practice of deleting enforcement action records. The FAA oh, has temporarily suspended its policy of expunging, I like that word, expunging certain legal enforcement actions from pilot files while it studies how to comply with a law establishing a database of pilot records to be used by air carriers to check backgrounds of potential hires. So what's this I, all about? I always, I, I, and I so used to love getting an expunge bath. <laughs> yeah, I um, know. So, uh, um, well, for, for God, I, I don't know. As long as I can remember, uh, if you had a, uh, an enforcement action that was not of a the, the grievous nature that would like get you permanently stamped and set on the Group W bench, and maybe even then. The records expunge themselves after so many years. So if you had a problem five, six years ago and you wanted to apply for a job at an air carrier or charter outfit or corporate aviation department and they ask, you know, if you ever had any violations, there'd be nothing for them to find because the record would have been expunged. Uh, now, if you were an honest soul, you could say, well, I had this little thing, and I got remedial training, and it went away, and it's no longer on my record. And they go, oh, yep, you're right, and everything would be off and running. But there's some concern that arose out of the, uh, I believe it was the Colgan, uh, yes, the, the Colgan uh, Dash 8 Q400 crash, that one on the flight deck had had trouble getting through some kind of training and qualification earlier. The, ca- the, captain, the captain had had failed some rides at one point or another. Yeah, I think I you're think right. The, the, the woman in the right seat um, did not have such, um, how, how, to, how to rephrase this, um, did not have a record of that kind, but she was much younger mm-hmm. and less experienced. And, uh, and she had more experience in the airplane than the captain and on and uh-huh. on. But the the uh, determination, the the discovery, if you will, that the captain in this uh, tragic accident had had uh, some trouble mastering some of his work skills, uh, kind of made some folks in Congress. This is another one of those, I believe. Say, you know, why are we expunging the record? And the people in Oklahoma City at FAA would say, well space to keep the records and need for them and you know unless somebody is repeating something over and over again it'd just be wasted space and oh no that's not good enough because we could have really bad pilots getting jobs flying for the airlines so this is a step on the way to doing that and as far as I know it doesn't restrict the retention of records to only ATPs or commercial pilots that might be looking for Paying work as an aviator mm-hmm. does it to all of us. So, yeah, yeah. What's um, good for the What's good for the commanders is bad for the uh, the private. Yeah. So they haven't decided yet to permanently keep these things on record, but they're thinking about it. I believe they're under a a, a strong congressional urging to figure out how to make this happen. And what they're doing is angling for a way to say, you know, we tried that for a while, and it didn't prove to be fruitful. It cost more. We didn't catch new violations. It didn't have a positive impact on safety. So we've tried it. It doesn't work. And we're going to use our regulatory authority to say we're not going to do this anymore. Yeah. 
those congressional urgings usually turn out real good. And uh, yeah, I, I, they, nothing ever bad happens with that. No, no. Okay. <laughs> but uh, bad news for the senator um, because he's not going to get this thing wiped off his record. I'm sure it's just going to, you know, ruin his day. What thing? Well, well, didn't I? I'm just. This is from memory. All right. Part of his slap on the wrists was that there was some I'm sort sorry, of. I, I, Dave, do you remember anything like that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Moving on. <clears throat> moving on. David, you called our attention to the fact that the let's see, GAMI, the General Aviation Manufacturers, uh, GAMA, excuse me, the Gavi, General Aviation Manufacturers Association, released the annual statistical data book. Uh, this is the issue covering 2010, uh, and it's got all kinds of numbers in it. What kind of numbers? Bad numbers. Bad numbers. Bad, bad numbers. Mostly bad numbers. Yeah. I yeah, mean, but it's, it's just, it, this is a reflection of the fact that we had a recession, right? Uh, that's that's the, the bad parts most recently are a reflection of the recession. Uh, if you look at the long trend going back to about 78, then we're back in following the old trend, which is, you know, slight steps down again and again. Uh, some of that's the recession. Some of it's we're not replacing older pilots. Uh, the pilot population shrinking. Fewer people at one airplanes. Corporations have backed away. Uh, NetJets just placed an order today for an ungodly number of new Bombardier airplanes. First time they've ever bought Bombardier. Things are looking up if you build challengers or globals or gulf streams or falcons uh everything else is kind of on the chin right now well unless you unless you have my own cirrus yeah yeah okay um yeah not not to pick a net or anything but um everything dave just said is true the the, the good good news if you want to call it that is that um things have relatively have been relatively flat there've been yeah. you know some some um uh you know ups and downs especially in the in the piston arena but i think there were some bright spots and and um that's uh, true that's true all, all things considered um subject to you know just the vagaries of of you know weather or the economy or whatever else uh i would i would call it just an, a kind of a flat year compared to 09 um, Big time. News, yes. Yeah. The good news is it didn't get any deeper. Uh, it didn't. The the shipments, the the total number of aircraft shipped, and, and the billings, and all that kind of thing, didn't go lower than '09. Um, hopefully, you know, knock wood. Uh, um, you know, we might even see uh, you know a, a slight trend up uh, in the next a year from now when uh, when Gamma does this again. Well, an interesting thing that I think is reflected in the Gamma statistical uh, uh, collection. And EAA pointed out in particular is the number of registrations added in 2010 under the experimental category mm-hmm. right. for the first time ever exceeded the delivery of new piston airplanes. I think I think GA overall. But is that because it was a good year for one or a bad year for the other? All of the above. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and keep in mind also, I mean, the, the official stats um, from Gamma, uh, the production aircraft, include 889 piston aircraft. The total um, of home-built aircraft added to the FAA registry in 2010 was 941, uh, a difference of about 60. But here's, here's the punchline. 
uh, all of those 889 piston-powered aircraft, that's worldwide deliveries, not just U.S. That's right. And so 941... And all those experimental are U.S. only. Are, are U.S. only. So there's a there's a much wider gap um, uh, good, between dude. production between production aircraft uh, added to the U.S. fleet uh, and and home built aircraft added to the U.S. fleet uh, in in 2010 than just those numbers alone. Yeah, just just to give me some context here, wh- what is the size of the fleet? How many airplanes are there in the world these days? Well, in that's the, a, older in, in the United the world States. Or in US? I don't know. I mean, either. I'm just kind of curious. I, I, I sort of know the number, but I want to say, say it out loud so people can have it in their heads that it's, it's an interesting number, I think. It is an interesting number. I don't know exactly what it is. Isn't it I like, you know, in the, in the two to 300,000 range? About 220, 230. In the, it, I was going to say 210 or so in the U.S., um, yeah, and yes. you go worldwide, and maybe you're talking what another hundred thousand on the outside. Yeah, yeah. So you know, there's clearly under half a million aircraft uh, in, in right. operation. Apple sells more iPads in a couple months than there are right. airplanes in the world. Yeah, right. Apple a- Apple's machines don't have to carry people at high Mach number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another another point though too is that. Um, uh, to answer Jack's question, we're going to find out here in a couple of years how many aircraft there are in the U.S. because of the uh, the FAA's recent push to uh, registration, kind of re- yeah, re- redo its registration records. Um, they're going to be sending out mandatory um, uh, starting on a rolling basis this year, I believe, uh, sending out mandatory re-registration paperwork. Right. Well, that's already begun, hasn't aircraft it? Aircraft owners. Yeah, that's in, that's it's well, already yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's underway. What's what's I, the buzz? Is it working? How, how bureaucratically is it is it proceeding? I don't. It's proceeding. I don't know that it's working. I I don't know that it. it you're never going to get a bureaucrat to say that a program like this isn't working. Uh, a contact of mine who works this particular niche of the aviation business in Oklahoma City. Send me an email a couple of days ago. I asked him, you know, how the initial wave of the re-registration thing was going, and he sent me back a three-word or four-word answer: by fits and foobars. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm at least a bit surprised. Uh, and some of that's the system, and some of that's the human element of the aircraft owners that don't read the instructions. So. <laughs> I don't even. Blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. Jeb, have you re-registered yet? Um, my number hasn't come up, literally. Um, okay. Um, I've they, got, they do have his number, be sure. Yeah, they're, they're doing it on a rolling basis. Right. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look uh, when mine comes up. I think it comes up later this year. Um, but I just did change my registration last year when I moved my physical address. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that even counts. Right. Um, so I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, but uh, if it wasn't uh, after, if it wasn't after the uh, the active date of this new rule, it's close, but no cigar. Yeah, I think exact. I think that's exactly right. So, I mean, I'll have to re-register, and and uh, I think there's a small fee involved. It's it's you know it's pocket change. And it, I, one of my clients had me do a story about the logistics on this, and the number of 
institutions and 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 organizations that it can ripple through because yeah. you and I would think about this in terms solely as the owners but if it's uh an airplane on leaseback if it's in, in charter if it's uh owned by a corporation if it's part of a fractional uh if there's debt on it uh boy it really gets complicated and can get really screwed up through all the people that technically can have a hand in it but it's the guy that holds the note for example uh, but it's not registered to him it's registered to the person that's actually paying on the note right. so there's some there's some potential there for things to get tripped up for some of these transactions uh, I'm, I'm going to find it really interesting seeing how it works with the fractionals Yeah, I just looked up my own registration my registration expires um, March 31 of 12. So I've got a year. Yay. That means um, you should start worrying about it in about December of yeah. 11. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Off-field landing of the week. We've got a good one here. Uh, let's see oh, now. Cool. This is a... Uh, for a yeah. while. Say again, David? I said we haven't had one of those for a while. We have no. Well, we've had kind of oddball ones, but this is a really straightforward, nice, uh, uplifting. If you, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, off-field landing of the week. This is from the uh, Knox News, which is uh, uh, maybe Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, the story is uh, is datelined Johnson City, Tennessee. A 14-year-old flight student and his instructor were forced to make an emergency landing when their plane's engine stopped. Student Phoenix Phillips told the Johnson City Press, quote, all of a sudden I heard sput sput. I love that. Sput sput. That's exactly what it sounds like, I would imagine. Sput sput. <laughs> and I see the flight instructor slamming the, the throttle. the voice of experience. Yeah, right. I know. I know. Um, so, uh, and, and so uh, student uh, uh, Phoenix Phillips says, and I see the flight instructor slamming the throttle. Uh, instructor Jeremy Maiden uh, made, the, made a quick decision to land Sunday afternoon on an open stretch of Boone's Creek Road. Maiden, an instructor with advanced flight training in Blountville, said it was his first emergency landing. He said it turned out to be, quote, just like any other landing, end quote, except that it was not at the airport. After a mechanic fixed the engine, police cleared the road and the plane took off and went back to Tri-Cities Regional Airport. And here's the money quote. Um, Phillips, the student, Phillips rode home with his parents in a car but said the experience only made him more enthusiastic about learning to fly. So You, you, you go, guy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, this absolutely, did not, Dick. You know, now, the question is whether his parents are equally enthused at this point. <laughs> hey, hey, look, the guys, the, his parents named him Phoenix. Yeah, right. So, okay. I, yeah. I don't think really anything more needs to be said and it's jeremy maiden by the way is it maiden uh, I wasn't yeah sure. it, that's his maiden name oh <laughs> i see all right the other thing, yeah the other thing going on here landed on on Boone, boone's creek road i just want to know if boone's farm is anywhere near anywhere there. near there i know yeah because it could all play into it absolutely could <laughs> well in that part of kentucky and tennessee both there's a lot of stuff with the boone name attached to it yeah 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 and so. we've been attached to bottles with boons on it on a number of occasions in our past yeah strawberry hill uh 
Yeah, we won't go any further. Yeah. We went, we went further. yeah. So bring back all kinds of memories, good and bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boone's Farm <laughs> Apple Wine. We could buy cases for eighty-six cents a bottle. Can you? Do, you, do they still make Boone's Farm wine? I don't even know. Oh, absolutely, they do. I'm, I'm partial. I'm partial to Night Train these days myself. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I we'll come back MD, to that. MD MD twenty twenty. There you go. <laughs> we better come back to that later on. Hey, yeah, so uh, yeah, let's not come back to that. <laughs> a big UCAP tip of the wing here to uh, Jeremy Maiden and his student uh, Phoenix Phillips for uh, getting on the ground safely, and that's uh, a good deal. It's a good deal. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and 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 you know, Phoenix, having to ride back with your parents, uh, there's always a chance that that could happen again, and this time you get to be the one that takes off from. Boone's Creek Road. Yeah. So, let's see. Now, we've got two listener things here quickly I wanted to touch on. I can't find one of them in the list here. But here's one of them. One of them is uh, we told this, we, talk, uh, uh, we talked about the story uh, a few weeks ago about the paper airplanes that were dropped from, uh, you can't see me making the gesture with my hand, wiggling my fingers in the air, dropped the airplanes out of the weather balloon from way up high. And, and, and we were all ooing and eyeing about how far they managed to travel uh, before, before landing on the ground. And uh, listener G. Marshall in the forums is... Is uh, is uh, basically, and he didn't use these words, but I will. But calls blowing snow on this one. He's not quite convinced. Uh, um, I love the lost Dutchman mind thing. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we did that. That's what we called the episode. Yeah. Um, he says uh, he says the Samsung paper airplane story does not pass the smell test in a number of ways. Um, and he goes on. I'm not going to try and cover it all here in the episode, but you should take a look at it. He's uh, he's really broken this down. All right, and. Uh, and uh, made his case that uh, that this is not working for him. Uh, his final paragraph is, So no, I call complete shenanigans on this thing. It does not pass the sniff test. Um, so uh, you should take a look. Uh, uh, read his, uh, his uh, posting yeah, here. I'm reading that. I, I, the thing that, that struck me, and I don't know if this is the point um, G. Marshall's trying to make or not, the thing that struck me about that story is um, however many of these paper airplanes, paper gliders were being released, they were all being released at more or less the same time. The er- ergo, they're all subject to more or less the same uh, environment. The same winds, the same updrafts, the same downdrafts, uh, etc. Um, ergo, they should all maybe come to ground in roughly the same location, should they not? Nah. Yes. It well, doesn't allow for chaos theory. Yeah, well, that's... no, it doesn't. It doesn't allow for chaos theory. But I mean, yes, yeah, certainly within a a large area. Okay, yeah, well, if you're talking a continent, yeah. I will go with you. Well, I don't. I don't know that I'm talking. A, I'm, I'm talking more than a county, less than a continent. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure of of the point G. Marshall is trying to make here. I, I'll I'll reread this um, when I have some time. Um, you know, I get what he's saying about lapse rates and, and, and thermals and, and, and this kind of thing. I'm not sure um, um, what the relevance is here, and I'm still trying to, to square all of that with, you know, you're lost in the tropospheric phenomena. 
yeah, dropping a bunch of paper gliders into that into that localized uh, meteorological phenomena and expecting them to end up in various different locations. Zip I don't. I, won't, it, it won't if, if I dropped, if I dropped two bottles, if, if I went out to sea and I dropped two sealed bottles with notes in them, or or half a dozen, or or a million bottles of you know with sealed sealed bottles, you know messages in the bottle kind of thing, and I dropped them into the ocean all at the same time. Would they all end up in different locations? I'm not sure. No, but a lot of them would end up in different locations. Yeah, but how different? Oh, hundreds, hundreds, maybe yeah. thousands of miles. Yeah, the the ducks and the shoes go to all kinds of different places. This happens all the time. Yeah. They lose containers off these ships. There's been lots of cases where, like, containers full of, yeah. I'm not joking, rubber ducks I, fell I, off of a ship. I, I, I remember that. I, I remember reading a story about that. But here's the punchline. It's likely that those rubber ducks yeah. um, got out of that container at different times. They didn't all get out of that container at the same time. Oh, all right. Even, even that said, we've seen instances where, like, you know, Big groups of school kids would release a bunch of helium balloons, you know, the party kind, with some kind of note, uh, very often a, a postage prepaid return addressed card to come back from. And have they, they release them all from the same schoolyard or same park and all that and have them come back from all kinds of different places around the globe. Most of them don't come back at all. But the ones that do can be scattered, you know, thousands of miles apart. Uh, there's just this great randomness to stuff like that up there. Uh, that having positive control is is the only way to to, to offset the the random odds of other stuff. But what the hell do I know? I, I barely have positive control now. Well, I was going to say. Um but and scrolling down here, I got a huge kick out of this this note from um, um, this forum note from Champ Guy, <clears throat> and uh, talking about that particular episode is two twenty three, and we were apparently talking about that that um, uh, infamous farm, Olive Farm in California, that is trying to ban overflights. Oh yeah. Okay, and Champ Guy says now if everyone just flew over who, who flew over that farm just tossed out a couple of rolls of toilet paper, um, might might you know make a difference. I don't know. <laughs> yes, that would solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we would never endorse a violation of the farms. Well, but well, we have that, seen instances where it rained frogs. It, so it who is, knows? You know, it, uh, big up draft hit a toilet paper factory and come down in a randomly localized way. Yeah. It is not a violation of the forest to throw a roll of toilet paper out of the airplane. Most of the time. It is, it is a violation of the forest to throw out of anything so that it would endanger life or property. Thank you. Who's to say, who's to say that the roll of toilet paper endangers property or life? Yeah, I think, I think I'm, the secret... I'm I'm, 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 I don't know. I think the know. secret olives are very susceptible to bruising by the toilet paper, so uh, you... Know, you <laughs> Believe me, there would be a there would be a there would be a subpoena on your doorstep the next day. This is yeah. Yeah. anyways. The other listener thing here that I wanted to touch on is uh, uh, also uh, some time ago uh, we related the story that uh, listener Joe Murphy related to us about how he got himself in a little bit of a jam because he clipped the edge, and we were talking about this earlier. One of these notorious uh, football stadium TFRs, and. Uh, 
and uh, got into a quote-unquote discussion, my quote-unquote, not his necessarily, um, with the authorities about this. Um, turns out it all has turned out more or less okay. Joe's all right. He hasn't lost his ability to fly. Um, in the in the uh, forums, he says, uh, uh, well, I don't think I could have expected a better outcome. I don't even think that this counts as the type of letter that stays on my record for two years. Now that, uh, uh, But he says, now that I'm going to test that theory. He says, I sure learned a lot about how the process operates, and I hope that this is also true for the few of you out there who read through this post. Uh, please let me know if I need to fill any of the gaps concerning what happened. He And he includes a copy of the letter that he got yeah. from uh, from uh, the Federal Aviation Administration. Um Let's see now. Uh, let's see. I guess it's just two paragraphs. On November 6, you were identified as the pilot in command. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here of a 172 when you entered the national defense airspace as defined by FDC NOTAM, et cetera, et cetera. Your actions were contrary to. See, this is the same thing they said to the senator, by the way. Okay, see? <laughs> your actions were. They have were, that on a save get. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a little, it's a little glossary entry in Microsoft Word. Your, your actions were contrary to a particular. Uh, uh, section of the of the FARs here. And, and then now has the paragraph. It says, at the time of the occurrence, you were contacted and interviewed by an FAA inspector. From that interview and subsequent investigation, it was determined that the act was inadvertent. Because of this fact and your cooperative attitude, this office has determined that informal counseling is warranted in lieu of legal action. This letter, along with the discussion with FAA inspector Thomas Clifton in December of 2010 will be considered counseling. We expect your continued cooperation and full compliance with all applicable regulations on any of your future operations. If you have any questions, etc., etc. So, uh, so uh, uh, Joe Murphy's off the hook, uh, more or less, uh, for this thing. And uh, um, I don't know. What do you think? Good deal? Did you get the same deal the senator got? He got a better deal. Yeah. He just got to interview with well, an inspector and got that, and that was considered enough. Uh, although he didn't had to go through an although hour what, of ground, what, an hour of air. Yeah, what Joe did wasn't nearly as, as in my opinion, as dangerous. and yeah. stupid as yeah. what the senator did? Exactly. So anyways. I'm not sure if I'd say that. I might say as egregious <laughs> and dumbass as the senator did. I'm sorry. I really I shouldn't have gotten back into the senator thing. Should, should, shouldn't have gone that way. Yeah, I shouldn't have gone that way. Anyways, congratulations to uh, listener Joe Murphy, and uh, thank yeah. you to him for it, sharing yeah, this very, with us. Very, very, yeah, very much appreciated, uh, uh, you know, showing, you know, giving us the whole letter, and and you know, not blacking anything out, and and you know, good job. Uh, um, we all live and learn. We all make mistakes, and uh, um, you you fessed up. You did the right thing, and and uh, the record shows that. So yeah. again, congratulations. That's right. Good deal. Well, we we know a guy that landed an airplane once without the wheels. Wasn't that they weren't there? They just where they were supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what happened to this gentleman? Well, he was he was tasked with uh, uh, two hours of ground and one hour of air, uh, and a little interview with a FISDO uh, safety counselor, and uh, and got a letter very similar to what uh, what we just read from. So uh, it was all very pleasant and grown up. Uh, I will confess. The guy that I know who went through this did spend an hour on the phone with a lawyer from the AOPA Legal Services Plan who advised him to do exactly 
what the FAA wanted him to do. Be nice, cooperative, do the training, shut up, sit down, get the sign off, and go on. The only unpleasant part about it was that it fell to an early 180-horse arrow with a really bad three-blade prop adaptation. It's kind of like a comb-over for a bald guy. It looked like it did stuff. But it actually did. <laughs> so, anyways. A 180 has got a problem to begin with, and then you stick a bad three-blade prop on it, and hijinks ensue. <laughs> Let's put it this way. This this thing was such a ground hugger that it had turn signals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Anyways. Well, when, it was, when it was over, the CFI looked at my friend and said, I will never fly this airplane again. And, he, and, and my friend said, uh, you mean we actually got off the ground this time? And that was the end of it. <laughs> all right it's not going to get any better than this let's wrap it up here what <laughs> you got any shout outs i don't have any shout outs actually i have i just have uh, i i I'll, i'm just going to do a quick shout out to the two airplanes that flew overhead epcot the other night and uh you go guys i don't know how you managed to pull it off but i i really want to be able to do that's the point here is i would love to be able to fly over this place it would be a lot of fun to check this place out from the air so i don't know if i'll ever get a chance to do it i Maybe I should try and crank up some of our connections here and uh, and uh, get myself one of them waivers so that I can fly overhead Disney World. But we'll see. That's my shout out. What do you guys yeah, got? Anything? I got one. I got one similar. Yeah. Um, there was. I was out working in the backyard a little bit today, and I haven't had a chance to get up in the airplane here recently. And uh, here, this this engine, which you know around here is not uncommon here an airplane engine, but it was you know a little bit different. I hear it throttle back, and hear it, you know pitch change so i said you know maybe it's a good time for me to look up and see what's going on and it was a cirrus at about three thousand feet uh just doing air work and it was a great afternoon to be up flying um white puffies above the the, the cirrus i think it was a 20 um just up you know doing some air work i don't know if he was you know instruction i don't know if it was a check ride i don't know what was going on but it was just fun to kind of watch this guy you know doing some some slow flight doing some turns uh, some straight and level back and forth, and, and uh, you know, just giving the airplane a workout. It was, it was fun to watch. So nice. thanks for the thanks thanks for the visual. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. David, you got anything? Well, I'm going to adapt one here. Okay. Uh, first off, a shout out to uh, to our old buddy that runs the FAA, uh, who at their forecast conference recently highlighted light sport aircraft as one of the two significant growth areas they forecast to see in the next 20 years. The FAA forecasts to see in the next 20 years. I thought that was cool. And then a few days later, I see this from the, from the Visalia Times Delta out in California. The Tulare County Sheriff's Department was looking at buying a helicopter uh just in, in tight times, tax collections down and all that, didn't have the bucks to shell out for even a Robinson and, and the operating cost. They're buying a flight design CTLS with a couple of special little equipment touches like spotlight, uh, forward-looking infrared camera, special display. Uh, they're going to spend rockets and guns. 
No, no, no weapons that I've seen. Uh, they're going to use it in place of a of, of a seventy three Skymaster, Cessna Skymaster, which I'm sure is you know out there in the high time territory for Skymasters, uh, and they're going to use a CTA in place of it because they can slow down and orbit a spot at fifty knots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and go almost as fast as some of the uh, some of the smaller helicopters will go in a straight line. So it and only feed a Rotax nine twelve hundred horse instead of a pair of six cylinder uh, aircraft engines on the push me pull you. So uh, you know, way to go, Tulare County uh, Sheriff's Captain David Williams. God, that's about the eighth David Williams I know of. Uh, smart thinking. Yeah, good, good, good thought. Nothing in the regs prohibits that kind of use for you guys. Public aircraft. You go for it, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Nice thinking outside the box. It'd be a good use of that airplane. Absolutely. Yep. Well, it's definitely time to stick a fork in this one. I don't know how much Ow. of it the uh, listeners will have heard, but this, this was a yeah. little bit of a wild ride. Yeah. And uh, we'll see whether I can put it back together again. But uh, it was a lot of fun talking with you, as usual. Dave Higdon. Uh, Dave is a uh, an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, avbuyer.com, aea.net. Uh, or just do a Google search and, and and see what kind of wild card thing turns up. But I'm not the golf or the physics writer. That's right, yeah. And Jeb Burnside is a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, where can people find you on the Internet? AviationSafetyMagazine.com is a great place to start. And... Um, then we can go to jeburnside.com. Uh, we can also look me up occasionally on aea.net or avweb.com. And, and I should mention here that uh, this was uh, uh, so many title possibilities here. Let's see, I've got a, just a, a much larger than average. Let's see now. By Fitz and Fubars, that's one here. Uh, Catalytic Crisis, that's another one. Uh, <laughs> oops, I did it again. Uh, an Expunge Bath. Uh, or or congressional urgings. I'm not sure which. I think I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to figure it out. Anyways, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Is it possible to get a chastity belt for the entire Congress? And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm <laughs> I'm a private pilot. A free, what's that? I missed that. Yeah, I know. It's probably for the best. Yeah, okay then. All right. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Big thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for creating our show notes. Thanks to Mike Morgan and Roy Searle and to the many other listeners who have created the various UCAP uh, sound bits that we drop into the show. We are also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage in the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the new improved blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings webpage of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, what were you going to say? Live old, fly long, go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. AMFFM.
The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.